you're right. It's a great place to spot uh, water birds and turtles and uh, even maybe some owls or something like that if it's evening time. Um, it's just a really peaceful walk. If you're not hanging out in St. Louis's most beloved park during this pandemic, you're not doing it right. Forest Park is actually bigger than Central Park in New York, so I think that's pretty cool that it is so large that you know you can you can find your little place there, your little niche to hang out, and it doesn't have to be overcrowded. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Now, the catch with visiting Forest Park these days is that sometimes it, like a lot of parks across the metro area during this pandemic, can be downright packed. What are you supposed to do if your closest park is everybody's favorite? Our next guest has some ideas for that. Her name is Carolyn Miller. Her new book was published by Reedy Press this April. It's called Forest Park, A Walk Through History. And it presents not just seven terrific walks around the park's trails, but many stories about little-known areas within its 1,300 acres. Carolyn joined me to talk about the book back in April. Our conversation began with her talking about her job as a zookeeper with the St. Louis Zoo. I do work there, and I've also made my home very near to the park for probably about the last 10 years. Um, I'm also a runner and a cyclist, so I've spent lots and lots of hours in Forest Park. So you've really been researching this book for more than a decade, really. In some ways, yes. Um, I've been exploring the park for a long time, but I was just kind of one of those runners who ran past the monuments and the memorials and the statues and maybe didn't really know who these people were or why these things were there. And so um, researching the book, I really had to dive in and kind of dig that information out. So in the the time that you've actually been working on the book and not just enjoying um, the park the way all of us enjoy the park, um, how much research ended up going into this? Quite a bit. First, I had to kind of decide the routes that I wanted to include in the book. Um, And as a runner who is also married to another forest park runner, We kind of did that together, um, decided which areas were kind of the prettiest to see and made the most sense for a walking tour um, and also included things that people would want to see. And then from that point, I just kind of dove right in and read a lot, worked with Forest Park Forever and tried to get as much information as I could about the history of the park. Now, I understand that when you were um, working on this book, none of us had any idea that we were going to end up in this age of pandemic. And so obviously you didn't plan these walking tours for social distancing, but I can't help but wonder if they could be a resource for those of us who just always go to those tried and true spots, if this is maybe going to send us into some areas of the park that are a little bit lesser used. I think so, yes. Um, You're correct. I had no idea when I started working on this book two years ago that this is the era in which it would be released. Um, But I do agree that I think, yes, the book can guide you to other areas. Like you mentioned, there is an Art Hill walk, uh, but I know that's a very popular gathering spot. But the book can lead you to some lesser-traveled areas. I actually took my son and did the river loop walk the other day, which is one of the walks included in the book. And it was very easy to social distance. Hmm. There were parts of the trail where I was the only one. Um, There's also a nature walk that goes through Kennedy Forest. And that, so far as I've seen, it's been a pretty 
um, empty-ish area to walk. Um, it might see a couple people, but it's easy to stay six feet away. That's great to hear that even in the middle of all of this, that there are some areas that aren't completely overrun. I know that's been the concern with some other parks in town. There's just too many people going to them now. So you've got these seven tours um, that you outline within your book, and you also have a nature walk in addition to that. I'm wondering, which of those eight things would you recommend for somebody who's trying the hardest to avoid other people? I think trying the hardest to avoid other people, I think the nature walk, um, which is actually, so there's seven historic walks plus the nature walk. I think the nature walk would probably be my favorite social distancing walk. Um, it goes through Kennedy Forest. It's kind of a, a short little, almost one and a half mile walk. Um, and the trails in Kennedy Forest are usually fairly open, fairly clear. Um, like I said, the other one that I did the other day is, the River Loop Walk, which kind of goes back by Steinberg and um, the Prairie near Steinberg Skating Rink, the Victorian Footbridge by the Central West End. And that area was pretty open as well, that eastern end of the park. I think typically the western end and right in the middle where Art Hill and the Grand Basin are tend to be the more crowded spots. Mm. So let's talk a bit about that river loop. This is a 3.1 mile um, walk, which is perfect for somebody who wants to do a 5K. Um, And so this begins at the Dennis and Judith Jones Visitor and Education Center. So how would people go about getting to that? I understand um, things are slightly different these days because you can't always drive in. But normally, is this something where you could just go to that spot and, and there's a parking lot there? There is a big parking lot there, yes. As far as I know, the um, education center is actually closed at the moment because of the closures um, in the city of St. Louis. But there is a large, a very large parking lot across the street from the visitor center. So people can park there um, and be easily spaced out and kind of set off from there. And you walk people through, for people who get this book, it's called Forest Park, A Walk Through History. Um, You walk people through how from there they can go to Lindell Field, um, from there to Cricket Drive. One of the highlights on this walk is something I had no idea even existed within Forest Park, and that is we apparently have a Spanish cannon in here. Can you tell us how the heck did St. Louis end up with a Spanish Cannon apparently forged in 1783. Sure, yeah. So that was one of my favorite little tidbits that came out of the research for the book. Um, the Spanish cannon is also known as the Examinador. That's its name, I guess. Um, and as you said, it was forged in 1783. It was in the Spanish-American War, and it was actually gifted to St. Louis um, by the War Department in early 1900. Hmm. And we didn't really have a place to put it, so they stuck it in the mounted horse police stables um, there in Forest Park. And finally, somebody found out it was hanging out in there, not really doing anything, and wrote an op-ed in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch written from the point of view in the voice of the canon, um, just basically saying, like, what am I doing here just hanging out with all these horses on this beautiful canon?" You know, I need a home. That sounds and, like the most amazing op-ed. Like, and by amazing, I mean it could potentially be terrible. Yeah, it cracked me up. I just thought that was so funny. And they just, um, people read that and decided to do something about it. And so they made a little place for the cannon right there in Forest Park. And that was in 1901. So it's been in that spot since 
1901, and you can actually see the cannon from the visitor center. It's hmm. one of the first spots that you can stop on the River Loop Walk, and yeah, if you're standing in front of the visitor center, you can just kind of see the cannon right over there. And then one of the other spots as people continue on this walk that you've put together for them, the River Loop, 3.1 miles through Forest Park, um, is the Forest Park Hatchery. And again, this is something um, I feel like I knew Forest Park. Turns out I knew nothing about Forest Park. What is this hatchery? The hatchery, you know, don't feel too bad because the hatchery was actually... Um, one that I didn't really know that much about either. Um, it's not. It's kind of a little bit off the running trail and the cycling trail, so it's not something that I saw um, really closely in my own park exploration before working on this book. Uh, but yeah, the hatchery dates back to 1879, so it's been around for a little while. Um, at one point in 1894, it actually stocked almost 900,000 carp, so it was a place where fish could hatch, basically, a hatchery. And um, why so were had... we stocking so much carp? Was this, the, they were, I guess, going to other fishing ponds? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So they would hatch them there and then could put them in other ponds or places to fish to kind of stock those areas as well. Um, today, the hatchery is not quite as big as it was at that time, um, but there are still five remaining ponds, and the Missouri Department of Conservation actually uses them for educational purposes. So that's pretty cool. And it's actually a lovely area. There's a couple of kind of stone little cottages there that serve as the office and um, the living quarters for the manager. And they're really cute little cottages, and it's it's a very peaceful, nice area to walk around. Hmm. I tell you, this river walk, there's so much on it. One of these other areas that you highlight on this same walk is the Prairie Boardwalk. Um, this just seems like a lovely spot. I guess bird watchers are already on to this. Yes, I love the Prairie Boardwalk. That's one of my favorite places in Forest Park, and it's, it's very peaceful. Um, like I said, when I was there the other day, it was very easy to socially distance walking on the prairie boardwalk and you're right it's a great place to spot uh, water birds and turtles and uh, even maybe some owls or something like that if it's evening time Um, it's just a really peaceful walk and then this same path um, you also take people to this sculpture that i think some forest park users may know that's uh, the joie de vrie um, that honors uh, somebody whose sister had suffered from serious illness. And then there's also uh, chess tables here. Um, if people are, if, you know, once this is all over and you want to sit down for a game of chess, that's also right in the middle of Forest Park. Definitely. And the Joie de Vrie, I think, is such a beautiful sculpture and so um, appropriate for the times that we're in now because mm. it was sculpted by Jacques Lipschitz in 1927 um, to honor his sister who was suffering from a serious illness. And um, it translates to the joy of living, and he wanted that sculpture to be very lively and to kind of remind her to hold on to life and that vivacity and that joy of just pleasure of, you know, surviving. And so I think right now it's just kind of a nice reminder that even though we're going through really hard times, just to remember that there are beautiful and wonderful parts of life as well. Hmm, that is a great reminder. We're talking to author Carolyn Miller, and her new book, which is just out this month, is called Forest Park, A Walk Through History. It has seven different historic walking trails that go through Forest Park. It also has a way to take a nature walk through Kennedy Forest. And we did ask our listeners in advance of this conversation for their thoughts of places that they like off the beaten pack, path in Forest Park. They actually had some really good recommendations. Um, some 
some of them more off the beaten path than others. Carolyn, you may be skeptical that some of these count as off the beaten path, but we wanted to share some of these. Um, Sophie writes, while it's not off the beaten path, I really love the art museum. The dinosaurs behind the science museum are also really cool. Um, Lisa Andrews Seligman writes, Groves of pine where the walking path crosses at the back of the Muni upper lot. Do you know what she's referring to with that? Um, I can kind of picture it, but... Yeah, I don't know if that's an official area that's mentioned in the book. <laughs> um, and she also, Lisa Andrew Seligman writes, um, and the creek on Connecting Path in Kennedy Forest. It's near the road, but it doesn't feel like it. This Kennedy Forest, this sounds like just a great spot for people who want to feel like they're a little bit in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can definitely feel like you're away from it all in Kennedy Forest. It's just amazing that we have that here in the city of St. Louis. And then Lisa also highlights the Friedrich Jan Memorial next to the lake below Shakespeare Glen. Is that something that's on your radar? It is. And to me, the Friedrich Jan Memorial is one of the strangest things in Forest Park uh, because it's this massive memorial. It's really big and really long. And it's honoring a German nationalist and gymnastics educator. It's just kind of this random memorial. And did you learn at all in your research of why he's being honored within this St. Louis Park? I, I know we have a lot of German history in this town, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of German history in the park itself. And actually, um, a group of German nationalists in 1913, I believe, were the ones that funded that memorial. So they mm-hmm. wanted to honor him. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's another one from our listener, Richard. He writes, my favorite spot is the Victorian Bridge. Not far off the well-traveled bike path, I had been near it hundreds of times before actually seeing it. Despite its being within earshot of Forest Park Parkway and Metrolink, the structure plus its surroundings of calm, tree-lined waterways evoke a sense of peace and tranquility. And he adds, but don't tell anybody about it. Uh, Richard, sorry about that. It's a little too late. But um, this is a lovely spot, and I understand this is also on your river walk, Caroline. Is that right? It is. It is a lovely spot. Yes. The Victorian Footbridge, um, it kind of connects the central west end to the park. It's one way you can get into the park from that area of St. Louis. And it is, he's right. It's so romantic, so peaceful, so lovely. It's right by Round Lake, which is also another lovely spot. And it's Victorian Footbridge is a great place if you want to take like romantic photos or something like that. Hmm. So Richard's thought here of don't tell anybody about my favorite place. I think we all know that feeling right now. We're all trying to find ways to sort of be apart from each other and yet visit these favorite places. Are you worried that by sharing your favorite spots at this moment in time, they might well become too crowded for you? (laughs) My favorite spots in the park are probably already pretty (laughs) popular ones. Um, You know, like you mentioned, I've I work at the St. Louis Zoo, so the St. Louis Zoo will always be one of the special places in Forest Park to me. Um, But one of my other favorite spots is the Bridge to Picnic Island, which is a very popular spot. Um, That's that suspension bridge that Mm -hmm. runs kind of near the Grand Basin area, and that's always pretty crowded. I remember on my wedding day, I wanted to take photos there because I love it so much, and I think I had to wait in line. I was probably the third bride in line. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a popular spot. Yeah, so, you know... We're lucky to um, have so many beautiful spots in Forest Park that this is a problem that we share our favorites with others. But one fun fact that everybody likes to mention is that Forest Park is actually bigger than Central Park in New York. So Mm -hmm. I think that's um, pretty cool that it is so large that 
you know, you can you can find your little place there, your little niche to hang out in. It doesn't have to be overcrowded. Yeah, and if you go to one of these spots and you find there's a lot of people, maybe a lot of St. Louis on the Air listeners happen to be flocking there, you can always just keep walking. It seems like there's so many uh, hidden little nooks and crannies that you've explored in this book. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, you can, um, you can get off the beaten path and kind of... Um, you know, you can follow the, the routes that we mapped out in the book, but you can also kind of make your own route, too, and explore off of those paths as well and kind of check out a little trail through Kennedy Forest or a trail through the Successional Forest or something like that. I wonder, for those of you who work in the park, do you ever find yourself just taking it for granted, where you're like, oh, it's just another day at the office. Here I am driving through the most beautiful park in the world. <laughs> um, a lot of people, you know, when I have fr- friends and relatives from out of town come in and I suggest taking them to the park or taking them to the zoo and they say, oh, like really, don't you get sick of it? And I always tell them, you know, no, I I really don't. I don't get sick of showing up to this beautiful park and this beautiful zoo every day. It's It, it really is a, a wonderful place to spend the day. What's your favorite season for visiting? Well, I am a summer person, so even though the park might be more crowded in the summer, um, that's probably my favorite season when, you know, everything's leafed out and really green and lush and beautiful. But I will tell you, it is lovely right now. Everything is blooming and the flowers and the trees are just gorgeous. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about, I understand that part of these two years that you've been researching this book, um, that you also have a, a new child during that time period. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, I have a 13-month-old son. So, it seems like yeah. that's a two pretty big levels of complication there, both writing a book and, and dealing with a new baby. Was that hard to balance the two? It was. So this book, like I said, I've been working on it for two years, and it just came out. Um, it was not meant to take two years. So <laughs> um, that's why it's a little ironic to be releasing it during the pandemic. But, yeah, so I, um, you know, I had the baby a year ago and my goal had been to get the nursery ready and have everything set and then I was just going to kind of sit around and work on the book and get it completed before the baby came but he had other plans and he arrived five weeks early and so I did not um, even get the nursery finished. Oh my yeah five weeks early that'll throw off some plans. Yeah so it's been interesting um, but it's been fun too because on maternity leave and last summer I got the take him to the park with me for a bit of research, which kind of made it made it fun to share that with him. So he helped you a little bit with your research. I imagine he didn't help so much with the writing. I know this isn't your fir- first book. How did being a mom change your writing uh, routine? Well, it was tough. Um, you know, those first couple weeks or months, babies sleep a lot. So, you know, I would just sort of strap him onto my chest, basically, and work with him in the baby wrap and things like that, um, which worked pretty well. Um, right now, at 13 months old, he is about as busy as I think babies get. You know, they're at that age where they have no sense of reason, but they just want to explore everything. And mm-hmm. so now now writing time is um, set aside for either my lunch break at work or um, after he goes to bed and all that stuff is wrapped up. So it's definitely changed um, quite a bit. So he keeps you pretty busy. But hey, the book is done. Um, That's a great accomplishment, especially for any new mom. I'm sure this feels good, even though this timing is is somewhat hard in terms of promoting it and and getting people to go to bookstores to buy it. It's got to feel really good to have this out there in the world. 
Yeah, it's exciting. And, um, you know, we're kind of doing a soft release now. Um, it's uh, like you've mentioned, it's a great thing to do if you're social, socially distancing and you want to walk in the park with your housemates. But um, I'm hoping once we get through this really tough period, I hope to have a more celebratory release later in the year. And I hope for your sake that's on the way. For people who want this book in the meantime, uh, where is your publisher suggesting uh, what's the best way to get their hands on it these days? Um, so you can get it wherever books are sold. And I know a lot of local bookshops are doing um, shipments and curbside pickups and things like that. So definitely it's a great idea to support our local bookstores. Um, if you want to order it online, you can order it off my website, which is com, or forestparkwalkingtours.com is another website that we set up for selling the book. Um, so pretty much, yeah, wherever you can buy books, this, this one should be found. That was my conversation with Carolyn Miller, the author of Forest Park, A Walk Through History. It originally aired this past April. Is listening to an episode of St. Louis on the Air part of your daily routine? If so, suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help new people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.